Hi, everybody. This is Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain Radio. In a truly horrifying turn of events, nine people are dead. After a shooting which occurred 9 p.m. on Wednesday at the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina, the congregation which was established in 1816 is one of the oldest African-American churches in the United States. The attack came two months after the fatal shooting of Walter Scott in neighboring North Charleston that sparked major protests and highlighted racial tensions in the area. The gunman, 21-year-old Dylan Roof, was attending a Bible study meeting at the church, sat there for an hour, and at the end of that hour opened fire and told the worshipers, I have to do it. You rape our women and you're taking over our country and you have to go. According to witnesses, Roof loaded and reloaded his gun five times during the Marathon Murder Fest. He spared one woman, apparently specifically telling her, I'm not going to shoot you because I want you to tell everyone what happened. There were three people in total who survived the shooting, including a five-year-old girl whose grandmother told her to play dead, and that is how she survived. Roof was recently arrested just a few hours ago after a report of a suspicious vehicle and was reported to be cooperative with the officer who stopped him. Authorities currently believe that the shooter acted alone, and CNN is reporting that Roof was armed with a gun when he was apprehended. Last Wednesday, exactly one week before the Charleston church shooting, Roof told his friends and neighbors that, quote, he was looking to kill a bunch of people on Wednesday, although he said it was going to be at the College of Charleston. His his neighbor, Kristen Scriven, said, he flat out told us he was going to do this stuff. He's weird. You don't know when to take him seriously and when not to. Yes, that is precisely the point. You are not equipped and competent as a neighbor or a friend to know whether someone's death threats are true or not. That is a job for the authorities. I know there's a lot of anti-cop sentiment floating around America and other places at the moment, but it is not your job to figure out whether someone is credible or not in terms of death threats. They need to be interviewed. Their rooms need to be searched. This is what came close with Elliot Roger in California. This could have been prevented. In my view, if you hear these kinds of death threats, notify someone who can do something about it. Don't be an amateur doctor. Get someone to a professional. Background. School records show that between 4th and ninth grade, Roof attended six different schools and repeated the ninth grade. He attended White Knoll High School in Lexington, South Carolina, but left after his freshman year. It's not clear whether he transferred or dropped out. High school classmate John Mullins commented that Roof, quote, used drugs heavily a lot, he said redundantly. Quote, it obviously harder than marijuana. He was like a pill popper from what I understood, like Xanax and stuff like that. It has also been reported that Roof was, quote, quiet and soft-spoken, made a lot of racist jokes, and held strong conservative beliefs, which is implied by photos of his vehicle, which contained a Confederate States of America front license plate. Now, I don't know what strong conservative beliefs mean. I don't think it involves heavy drug use, not having a job, uh, and it certainly doesn't involve shooting up churches. So this is probably like in general, there's this wrestle over shooters, whether they're Republican or Democrat, and it's tragic to see this playing out already. The shooter's uncle, Carson Coles, noted that, quote, nobody in my family had seen anything like this coming. 
But several years ago, he told his sister, who's Ruth's mother, that he was too introverted. Quote, I said he was like 19 years old. He still didn't have a job, a driver's license or anything like that. And he just stayed in his room a lot of the time. And I think we can safely say he stayed in his room a lot of the time looking at information on the Internet, which we will get to shortly. State and county records show that Roof had no adult criminal history in South Carolina until February when he was arrested on felony drug possession charges, which are still pending. What happened was on February 28th, Roof went into a Bath and Body Works store wearing all black, apparently he used to be an emo, and asked what were described as out-of-the-ordinary questions, including how many associates were working, when the store closed, and what time the associates leave. Mall employees complained, and when an officer approached him, Roof said his parents were pressuring him to get a job. The officer noted that Roof was becoming increasingly nervous. He searched Roof and found orange strips that Roof said were Suboxone, a Schedule Three narcotic. Now, Suboxone is a habit-forming drug that is used to treat narcotic or opiate addiction, and it has been connected with sudden outbursts of aggression. So again, here we have, this is not an SSRI, but here we have these kinds of drugs being used that have aggressive outbursts that are part of a shooter's chemical makeup when he performs these mad acts of evil, violence, and aggression. According to a Courier-Journal report, suboxone, quote, is increasingly being abused, sold on the streets, and inappropriately prescribed, end quote, by doctors. For some users, it's even more addictive than the drugs it is supposed to help them quit. It has been estimated that it is 30 to 40 times more powerful than morphine. So Roof was banned from the mall for a year. On April 26th, he returned and was arrested for trespassing and banned from the mall for three years. His car was turned over to his mother. He was found guilty, ordered to pay a fine of $262.50 for trespassing, which he elected to pay off in installments. So here we see the family knew about the problems. I don't know the degree to which they knew about the drug use, but it seems kind of hard to hide that kind of stuff if you're living at home in particular. In April, one month after his arrest for felony drug possession and the same month of his trespassing arrest, Ruth, Ruth's, Ruth's father saw fit to give him for his 21st birthday a 45 caliber gun. I don't even know what to say about that. Hey, you got problems with the law. Hey, you're trespassing. Hey, you've got serious drug addiction problems. Let's get you armed now, shall we? Happy birthday, son. A recent photo shows Roof wearing a black jacket that is emblazoned with two flags, apartheid-era South African flag and the Rhodesian flag. Uh, Rhodesia was uh, a country that has since become Zimbabwe, which has since become uh, an inflation-mad hell zone of economic uh, and agricultural destruction. And uh, we'll get to that um, in a moment. So... As we said, according to eyewitnesses, Dylan told the worshippers, I have to do it. You rape our women and you're taking over our country and you have to go. So I decided to check. Is the statement about rape the deranged ramblings of a madman or are there facts behind it? So I dove into the murky, crazy, confusing world of race-based crime statistics and there was a sea of bad information. But one web website appeared to source a legitimate 2005 study by the Bureau of Justice Statistics with credible estimates of black-on-white rape. 
The study reported that in 2005, 33.6% of perpetrators of rape and sexual assault against whites were black, while the percentage of white-on-black rape was zero. In other words, this is a quote from the website, In the United States in 2005, 37,460 white females were sexually assaulted or raped by a black man, while between zero and ten black females were sexually assaulted or raped by a white man. Uh, that is... um that is some horrifying information, so of course, dive in deeper. This turns out to be uh, a, vict- a crime victimization survey, and so a lot of these sample sizes are based upon uh, less than 51 people, uh, and so you cannot go from that to very detailed numbers like that. Also, the, uh, the numbers and the ratios of interracial rape vary widely from year to year. The following year, these numbers dropped by a half. So uh, you have to be very careful with this data, and it really bothers the living hell out of me that people put inflammatory, irresponsible data out on the Internet. This website made a very bold claim that says, quote, what this means is that every day in the United States over 100 white women are raped or sexually assaulted by a black man. The Internet is full of statements like this, and uh, it bothers me because there are unstable and deranged people who are going to go out and hoover up this information and it's going to burn in their brain and they're going to become race warriors and they're going to become crazy people who target others. It is really important, uh, especially in highly volatile areas, to be sure of the data you're putting out. If, you, if you're, you've if you got to dive in, you've got to figure out the source, you've got to be responsible, you've got to put your caveats in and if you make a mistake, you've got to correct it. This is fuel to the fire that might burn the whole world. So, as we mentioned, in one of his Facebook photos, I think only three have surfaced, in one of them, he's seen wearing a jacket with two flags. And it's oddly specific flags, apartheid area, South Africa, and Rhodesia, which was, uh, when it was under white rule, was called Rhodesia, now it's called Zimbabwe. So why does he have these flags? This isn't like some clueless undergraduate with a K. Guevara t-shirt who doesn't know anything about the history. But let's find out. Uh, what it might be. So there was a bloody civil war in 1980, and then the black majority took charge of the country. Of course, there was discrimination in white rural Rhodesia, just as there was in South Africa under apartheid. But what happened afterwards? Well, the new leadership in what was Rhodesia then became Zimbabwe, targeted white landowners in the country and uh, subjected them to violence in the form of beatings, arson, arson, and forcible expulsions. And uh, the amount of violence that has been poured upon the white landowners, the amount of of grabbing uh, of their land by the government by force. And again, I get the argument. The whites were there. They took by force. They're just taking back and so on. But this is nonetheless a brutal, brutal uh, series of events that have happened for decades in Zimbabwe. Um, The white population was 10% in 1945 and has been diminished to less than 0.3% in 2012. Uh, Robert Mugabe, who's the current dictator of Zimbabwe, been in power since 1987 after a series of, let's just say, not exactly above-the-board election results. Robert Mugabe has recently indicated that the few remaining white farmers will be forcibly removed from their land. And uh, they are experiencing uh, assaults and and rapes. And, of course, rape in Zimbabwe by a black man is a pretty terrifying experience, obviously because it's rape. And also because a third of the black men are infected with the HIV, which makes it even worse. So um, whether you can call it a genocide is up for debate. But the fact that um, there is a lot of violence 
against whites in black in black rule Zimbabwe is indisputable. So um, we'll get why this is important. I'll, I'll talk about why this is important in a few minutes. President Obama has noted. <sighs> Once again, innocent people were killed because someone who wanted to inflict harm had no trouble getting their hands on a gun, he said. Now is the time for mourning and for healing. But let's be clear, at some point we as a country will have to reckon with the fact that this type of mass violence does not happen in other advanced countries. What a load of nonsense. Uh, there was Charlie Hebdo attack in January the 7th. This does happen uh, in, in other countries. Of course, whenever a gun is used in a crime, everybody imagines that if you banish uh, guns that you will get rid of a crime, and uh, that is uh, statistically not the case. Increased uh, gun ownership, particularly concealed carry, is strongly associated with uh, decreased crime. And again, we'll put some of the sources to this below, but I've got a video on this channel called The Truth About Gun Control if you want more information about that. So, an untold number of shootings and murders have been committed by individuals on psychiatric drugs in recent times. The number of examples is staggering. I can't possibly detail them in this presentation, but we'll put links to them below. Connection between psych drugs, in particular SSRIs and violent events, is not pushed or informed, uh, informs the public. Media does not inform the public. Uh, why is that? Well, because pharmaceutical companies spend about $2.4 billion on television advertising every year. Is that going to have an effect on the degree to which news outlets point out the relationship between psychotropic drugs and mass violence? Well, we don't know. It's still unknown whether he was on specific SSRIs, but we need to keep revisiting this topic. So, look, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I don't want to climb on these bodies, this, this horrific, uh, brutal series of, of slaughters and murders uh, in a place of peace and worship. So I'm, I'm hesitant about this, um, but there is something that I do want to say. And, and if you just want the facts, you can turn this off here. But there is something that do, I do want to say. Look, white people, black people aren't going anywhere. Black people, white people aren't going anywhere. We are wed. We are co-joined as cultures and as races. And there is a chilling lack of dialogue between the races. Look. Black people have complaints about white people, underrepresentation, uh, structural racism. There are complaints that black people have about white people. Interestingly enough, there are fantastic complaints that some black people, particularly conservative black people, have about white people insofar as they say, well, the welfare state is really bad for black people. It's destroyed the black family. As Tom Sowell, the great economist, has said that the welfare state has done what slavery could not do, what Jim Crow could not do, what segregation could not do, which is destroy the black family, where you have uh, a 70 to 74 plus percent of children in black, in black, in the black uh, environment being born to unwed mothers. So yes, there are complaints about whites that come from blacks and they need to be listened to. And I think that actually a lot of culture, a lot of media, a lot of white people have tried their best to listen to these complaints and to do something about them. On the other hand, I would argue that whenever white people have criticisms about blacks, all you hear are these massive screams of racism. You know, that, that break down canyons and bring the avalanche of social disapproval down on people's heads and bury what anyone might actually have to say that could be helpful or useful. Yes, white people have complaints about black people. Yeah, there's a lot of crime 
in the black community. Yeah, there's an, an excessive consumption of welfare relative to population size. Yes, there's massive growth in single motherhood. There are certain elements of the black culture, you know, rap and calling people Oreos and deriding success as acting white. There are toxic elements within the black culture. And we need to talk about these things. But every time that a white person brings up any criticisms of black culture, generally what happens is they scream racism and shut the whole thing down. That is not productive. That is not going to work. I mean, think of a, a couple in, in, in couples counseling where the man turns to the woman and says, you know, I've got some complaints uh, about your behavior. And she's like, sexist. I'm not listening. It's your fault. Right? I mean, so whenever white people say, you know, there's a lot of crime, slavery and uh, racism, Slavery, slavery and racism, racism, slavery. That is not a productive conversation. It's not a productive conversation. Like 4% of whites ever owned slaves in the South. It's not the fault of any living white person that this historical tragedy occurred. So if there's no possibility of a dialogue where complaints can be brought forward in a reasonable, uh, fact-based way, these things are, I don't want to say these things like this shooting is, is the result of that, but tensions are going to continue to escalate until defenses are lowered and people can listen with an open mind and an open heart. And look, people live in two different worlds. If you only consume the mainstream media, the mainstream media will generally not talk about race when it's black on white crime. And it generally gets exceedingly underreported. The only time you know that there's an interracial element to crime is when the race that is being victimized is black and the victimizer is white. You will hear that. I mean, there are black cops that have shot unarmed white teens. Do you hear about that? No. So there's this very slanted narrative. And so people who are looking at that are getting a very distorted view of race relations and the world as a whole. The people who go to different sources, well, those people are getting vastly different information that often is way unbalanced on the other side, like these statistics that are largely erroneous but pumped up about 100 white women get raped by black guys every day. And so we have this increasingly schizophrenic divide in, in the country uh, and in the culture, in Western culture as a whole, where blacks are getting one set of information, uh, whites who look at the mainstream media are getting a uh, similar set of information, whites who look at alternative media and blacks are getting different information that's wildly opposed. I think they're two extremes, and it seems like they're getting wider and wider all the time. This is not a recipe for success. I'm telling you, everyone, no race is going anywhere, and no one is going to win a race war. It cannot be won by anyone. I mean, don't you wonder sometimes? I wish space aliens would threaten the Earth so that we could all recognize that we're brothers under the skin. Wouldn't that be great? An external threat to bring us together and, and to remind us, you know, two legs good, eight tentacles bad. Wouldn't that be great if we could find our commonality? But instead, we're just hissing and spitting and creating an ever-cultural, ever-widening cultural, intellectual, moral, and factual divide. And the end result of this will be the tearing apart of the fabric of civilization. It will be. I guarantee it. This is like a fault line. If it opens, we all fall in. We must come together, or we will surely break apart and lose all that is great about what we have all built in this civilization. Thank you so much for watching and listening. This is Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Radio.